Welcome back to Hannah's Homestead Podcast, hosted by myself, Hannah Bailey. I am looking forward to talking to you every episode about something that surrounds homesteading, homeschooling, homemaking, how to do, and all of the hacks that you need and want to know about doing this on a budget. Because really, you don't have to drive yourself into debt or be overwhelmed with getting your farm or homestead and self-sufficiency going. Hi, welcome. I am so excited. We have a very special guest who I have, quote, met just now, and she is in a few similar communities. So I am going to let Charity take it away and introduce herself and all that she does. And then we will dive deeper into what they do and how they incorporate the homesteading life into really their everyday life and way of life. Hi, I'm Charity, and I am a homeschool mom who has been homesteading and homeschooling for almost 19 years. So I have five kids ranging from 19 to six. Um, So I think this is like my 12th or 13th year homeschooling. I kind of lose track at this point. Um, But yeah, it's just something that kind of has slowly started, I guess. My parents both grew up on farms. I was obsessed with Little House on the Prairie. I have two kids named from Little House on the Prairie, and I now live in Ingalls, Indiana. So um, it's just something that I just loved as a kid, and I thought that was something that only kids like, but um, it never went away. I just always wanted to be Ma Ingalls. Well, maybe four Ingalls first, and now I just want to be Ma Ingalls. So yeah, that's that's our journey. We just Every year we add a little more, and we do a little more. That is so precious. I love how they all just kind of correspond together. So what are the two names that you took from the Ingalls family? We have a Charles and a Caroline. That is so cute. So, okay, you live in Ingalls. Do you, I have to ask, um, did you intend to homeschool? Were you homeschooled? What was, what got you into homeschooling? No, um, my husband and I both went to public school. He went to Catholic school. Um, I didn't even really think about it much. We lived in Irvington at the time when we had our kids, our older kids, and um, we were urban and cool. And then um, the time came to home or like to figure out school. And I just, I didn't, it didn't sit right. Like sending them away didn't sound right, but we did it. We moved up to Fishers and the subdivisions. I sent my oldest to kindergarten all year long. I'm like, this isn't right. This isn't right. I just don't love this. So my husband's like, we came up here for schools. I'm like, I know, but I changed my mind. So we, after kindergarten, she came home and we've been home ever since. That is amazing because I feel like a lot of spouses have this like internal battle of, okay, well, this is the way it is for, you know, 99% of people, which I honestly we I know you see it as well the homeschooling is taking off after they shut down the schools and parents realize like it's not that bad to have their kids home <laughs> they're like I think I can do this now or I can do like a like a hybrid type thing and have my kids home but 
it's important I think to note like you are very lucky and blessed and as am I to have a spouse that's like okay like I trust that this is right and that you can handle this and that you know how to navigate it and really no one knows how to navigate it because it's going to be a challenge and (laughs) none of us went to school to teach really most of us didn't I can't say none I don't there are some that were teachers but I think it's so important to say like if this doesn't serve you anymore public school there are so many resources out there so you left the suburbs and and then what I didn't hear the question. It cut out. Oh, I'm sorry. So you left the suburbs and then what happened next? Yes. It went out again. It's okay. It might be my internet now. No, it's the wind, I swear. So what happened after you guys moved away from the suburbs? What was the thing that was next after that? So we lived in the suburbs for about 12 years. And all of that time, I was always looking for land. Like I wanted to move out. It didn't have to be 28. Oh, I would love 20 acres, but it just needed, I just wanted some space. And my husband's a real estate appraiser and he has to have internet. And he has to be in like a, a certain mile radius of Indianapolis. So it really just limited us. And we looked for seven years, probably easily, never could find anything. And finally, he found this little acre of overgrown pasture and it backed up and I said sold <laughs> we were done so we moved here about two years ago and built a house and we've been hosting on this one acre ever since that is incredible so a lot of people that I interview have way more acreage than I have so you're actually the first person that I'm talking to that has less so we have just under three and a half and so tell us all about how you incorporate everything into one acre because I know you have some livestock I know they're smaller but talk about maximizing this one acre for your family because you're a family of seven total correct right yes this is awesome Um, yes we I've been like it's we're lucky it's a long narrow acre so I feel like we have a lot of space behind us and we don't have a lot of that side yard that's wasted space Um, but I have like thought about every inch of our acre so we have um, I think we're 11 chickens 11 chickens, two goats. We just bred them. So hopefully babies are coming. Um, We did have a sheep out there for a while and um, we have cats, barn cats. Yeah. And um, we have a large garden that I'm hopefully going to double this year in size. So it's probably a 40 by 60 size garden. um, That's total when I finish it. So um, yeah, we just, I try to find areas all over that I can, because it's, that's one of the hardest things about homesteading like where I could just constantly keep adding flowers or herbs or medicinal plants and um yeah we are just going to have this acre covered by the time I get done with it very little grass is the goal that is so awesome because I think so many people get stuck in well what where's the grass and I'm like you live in a rural area for a reason like I get you want to have a little bit of grass for the kids and dogs or whatever but Really, if you're looking at it from a self-sufficiency, sustainability aspect, everything has to be taken into consideration for that. Why do I have, like, I love grass. I, I have, I have rabbits, right? So they need, you, I saw you had rabbits, right? And so they love to. Oh, I do have rabbits. Yes, I forgot about my rabbits. Yeah. <laughs> There's always one animal that yes. you forget. And mine is my goose because I'm like, 
he just screams at me the gander and I'm like dude I don't I tune you out and sometimes I forget to list you as like someone something that I have but it really makes you think like right that how much can you use and do so now that you're building out 40 by 60 do you think that you'll do going up like in coming years and like do stacked raised beds um like tiered levels what does that look like and and how much would you say that you live off of on that garden and and your backyard livestock what do you would you say like I don't know is it like 50 percent that that serves the family is it 90 percent how much have you maximized it to be self-sustaining and almost like off, not off grid, but you know, off of the grocery store. That's a great question. Um, we have nine raised beds, and then we have trellises that we just put in this year. So we have three trellises going across the raised beds that hopefully going to get us more vertical space. And then on the other side of the trellises is where our this year the goal is to just have just regular garden, no till beds. So that's where I can do a lot more of my corn. Um, this year, I would say, oh, I don't even know figure on how much. We ate a lot of our, we ate a lot of tomatoes. Tomatoes was good. We I processed and canned a lot of tomatoes this year for the first time. So that's my, this is my first year of it being a successful gardening. Before I've ever known, I've been homesteading gardening for years, 18 years. I only had one or two raised beds. So it was just enough for us to have like some cucumbers and tomatoes and herbs in our garden. So this is our first time we're really doing at a larger level, which I love, but I always have to be aware of. It's just me processing it. I have the kids to help me, but they're my, mainly it's the little girls. They're six and eight that will help me, but they're six and eight. So there's only so much I can still do um, and, pro- and get it all prepped and ready before it, it goes bad. So I have to be aware of not growing too much if I can't process it and preserve it. Um, so it just gets hard when you have that many kids and everyone's has activities and events that they need to go to. So I say we, this year is probably 30%. I would like to next year, every year, just increase it as I learn and I get better and faster at canning or freezing or, um, dehydrating. Hopefully it'll just be a better system every year. That's awesome. I'm glad that you are honest about it because I think a lot of people are like, well, they're doing it because they have this big family. And in reality, you know, like even we on a family of four have food that goes bad because we can't get to it fast enough and I can't process it fast enough. You know, my girls are seven and three. So my only, my seven-year-old could somewhat help me. And even then it's limited because let's face it, seven-year-olds can't be in there doing the canning and throwing it in the water bath. I, right. I, I don't pr- pressure can. I'm terrified of them. So I'm old school. I'm like, look, we're just going to have done it either. I'm scared. Oh, good. <laughs> People think I'm yeah. crazy. And I'm like, look, I don't even have um nope. a, an Instapot. I don't do any of that. <laughs> so I don't have an Instapot either. Oh, I love it. I love <laughs> no, it. I just have like my oven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I wish I, I wish I could do more, but I, mean, I think that's the reality of it. I mean, I do have, well, I, I have five kids, but the teenagers work or they go activities and you do have to drive them around or they want to go do things. So I, I want to do a lot more, but I also have a family and we homeschool. So there's times I have to get lessons in. So right, right. yeah, it would probably look different if they were all in school yeah, or they were all older, but 
Absolutely. Um, yeah, that's the biggest thing is aware. And, and I don't, I don't feel bad about it because every year is growing. I'm growing every year. Right. I'm learning every year. I'm getting better at something mm-hmm. and it's a season. So like one day when I'm old, maybe I'll be a hundred percent self-sufficient because there'll just yeah. be two of us and we'll be canning all the time. Right. Exactly. And people don't realize yeah. how long that actually takes. Like it's not just a quick do it in an hour kind of thing. And it's, it's a process and it, it is not, they don't always feel so it's, it's a lot, but okay. So do you barter and trade? I, I do, but it's always oh, new. Do we- yeah. Like I want to make sure like, I don't want to do botulism. So you have to constantly look through your steps. Like I go back and check all the time. Like, okay, did I do this right? Is this sterile? You know? So it just, it takes a while to learn it all. Absolutely. So where I'm at, we barter and trade a lot. We barter and trade for services um, other livestock, we barter and trade, um, herbs and fruits and veggies, things like that for something else. Like I had, um, I got eight meat birds that were ready for a butcher and I gave them 50 pounds of tomatoes because we were swimming in tomatoes and I wasn't able to process them quick enough. And I'm like, okay, that's a good deal. But I think a lot of people don't know how to barter and trade either. So is that something that's prominent or prevalent in your community at all? Not that I'm aware, but I love the concept. Like um, I'm part of Homesteaders of Indiana. And one of our things that we were talking about too is people even in subdivisions can make soap to barter or make candles. I mean, you don't have to have 10 acres and a dairy cow to be a farmer or homesteader. Um, There's a lot of things you can grow herbs and do those. I mean, I know that Karen, she grows on like a subdivision of backyard. So I feel like that's a stigma. People think, oh, I had to have acreage to do this, to have something of value. And there's value in everything. You just have to decide what you want to work on and focus on. And I would love to barter with people. Like when you said that on the questions, it's like, yeah, bartering would be so much fun. It is because, you know, really everyone has something for someone else. And I love to quilt. I swear, like I'm this 78 year old woman in a 28 year old's body. And I I just love to do all the old people things. And I think about it and I'm like, I started doing this when we lived in the suburbs and I started doing all of these different learning how to can then and dehydrate things. And I think a lot of people just really feel like they can't step into the homesteading environment because they're not on a farm or they're not on acreage. And that's definitely not the case. Everyone has something to give and learn. I mean, herbalist, they're amazing. So, okay. Since we kind of went into the topic of Karen, do you forage at all? Because I know that she does a lot of foraging. Do you specifically look for anything and harvest? So I haven't really forged much for food. Uh, my kids will, if they find chickweed, they'll eat that like it's a salad. But um, I love to forage for natural dye. So I'm always looking for like goldenrod in the fall or um, things that I can use for natural dyes. But I haven't really, that's, that's a new hobby that I really would love to get into is doing some more foraging. That is awesome. What do you use the natural colors? I mean, we have that growing like crazy. Goldenrod is insane out here. But what do you use the dyes for? Oh, we dye uh, we dye yarn. We dye I tea towels. I love to dye tea towels. The girls and I always hear we'll do that, and then they do hand embroidery on them. And um, yeah, silks, play silks. Um, yeah, old t-shirts that are stained. <laughs> yeah, they, they will dye anything. 
dirty actually we dye a lot of like old towels too that are nasty too we'll just dye them that is so unique how long would you say that the color actually stays with it because obviously you're getting it like what is the process just go ahead and tell us the whole process well natural dyes it depends on what you're dyeing some things have to some dyes require a mordant so like goldenrod would require like an alum so you'd have to, to prep your material in like an alum like wash and then it fades, but it doesn't fade. I mean, it's, it'll lightly fade. So and then some of them like um, avocado pits that I love doesn't require mortar. You can just dye with avocado pits and it's the prettiest pink you've ever had. It's just beautiful. So now you just need to get those like, oh, what are they called? They're like those dish towels. They're cheap from like, you can get it from Menards or what you can get like 12 for like $6 or something. I am so blown away. <laughs> I was not prepared. I did, like we didn't even talk about any of this. And so I'm like, this is so cool. <laughs> and that's why I yeah. love bringing people on. It, like I would have never thought about that. You know, you mulberries, right? Those dye everything. So I knew that, mm -hmm. but I would have never thought of avocado pits. Yeah, they're beautiful. It's the prettiest pink. I mean, just it's beautiful. And you just have your kids just draw lightly with like a fabric pencil or a pencil, um, an easy design and they do hand stitching on it or cut out fabric with their hands. I always love that every year I, I trace their hands in fabric and then just sew it on the, the dyed tea towels. It's Mother's Day presents. That is so cute. Oh my gosh, that is, this is so creative. I would have never, ever thought of those things. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Handwork hand is our thing. Like we spend a lot of time doing um, knitting and sewing and handwork. It's one of my favorite things to do with the kids. It always it has been. very relaxing too. And it requires hand-eye coordination and a, a calm sense. And I think a lot of the things that we've done as a, as the human race, you know, evolves, especially with technology that we're very anxious. And when you take that time to sit and do needlework or sew or do knitting, you force your body to actually relax and it's something that get, has been tossed to the wayside. And I'm like, man, if people just knew how easy it would, it is to sit there for six hours and real, and then you're so calm and relaxed and you're like, Oh wow. Like I'm not even tired. And all of a sudden it's two in the morning and I've just been working on this because it's, it's so rewarding and you get to see a physical thing come, come to life really. Yeah. I, my eight-year-old is a crazy knitter. She takes like an online knitting class now and she's actually passed me in her knitting skills. But she taught my husband the other day how to knit. And he's like, this is so stressful. He's like, I can't believe you do this. But we do it because we are, her and I, our brains are just always going and going. We're thinking of ideas and it actually makes us stop. Like we act, we can just, it slows us down and we just enjoy the work. And knitting's fantastic because she can just take it anywhere. When I see kids, when we're at ball games or they're on their tablets, She's, she takes her little knitting needles and she just is going to town. So um, I love that instead of technology, she's choosing to take her knitting work with her when she goes out and about. That is so awesome. I It's funny you say that because in comparison with my children as well, they don't know what's going on on the TV. We don't have a TV. I'm there. They know that my computer is for work. My phone is essentially for work and they don't, they have a tablet kind of, but it's very restricted. It's not on internet and there's limited games just to learn. But it's funny when we took the TV away, the first week was rough. But after that, mm -hmm. 
their creativity level skyrocketed and they started sleeping better. And so using something else other than being consumed by a monitor is just eye-opening when you really detach from the way that other kids, not that their parenting style, you know, is wrong, but I, I do have my opinion <laughs> on those things. <laughs> and, but it does make a huge difference. And I think a lot of people are just afraid to, you know, pull the plug and say, this no longer positively serves my family. And if I'm going to, if something big is going to happen, I'm going to hear about it by someone regardless. Like I don't need the constant telling of whatever's going on with the, the TV or the news, the radio, anything like that. And I'm sure you feel similarly or have witnessed similarly what people are constantly chatting about. And I'm just like, I have no clue what any of this is anymore. <laughs> yeah, I kind of pride myself on trying to be like, like, I just, I don't know ever what's going on in the world. And it's funny because I used to run political campaigns. So <laughs> I went from a girl in my 20s that ran politics and now I'm like, I don't even know what's going on. Like, I'm just sitting out here in my little homestead and just, I'm excited. I'm eating eggs for dinner. I love that. And I think another thing that I've witnessed too is like, when you, you can take the girl and and I say this symbolically, but you can take it out of the modern world and you can really find who you are when you're like, okay, let me just close things off for a minute. And then you realize who does come knocking and cares and understands and respects what you're doing and your boundaries. And then you realize where you stand within the the ways of the world and it's not going to serve you. And it's, it's no longer for you and it wasn't benefiting you. It was just kind of something that you did, you know, like a job or, um, public school, things like that. So did you have a, I know you said you did political campaigning, but did you walk away from a job to homeschool and be home and homestead or what was that transition? I know we're kind of backing up, but since we're on the right. topic. I actually, I, I was lucky. My husband and I, when we, um, we got pregnant, um, we decided early on that I was going to be a stay-at-home mom. That was, he had, he grew up as a stay-at-home mom. I grew up as a stay-at-home mom. It was very important to us to make sacrifices um, live on the one income and budget. So we just lived frugal for years and years when people a lot of times say like, oh, you're so lucky you got to build a house. Oh, you're so lucky you get to homestead. We worked our butt off to make that happen. I mean, like I wrote down mills and if it wasn't on the list, it didn't happen. Our, I mean, people even die now when they find out like what my, my budget is every month, what we spend. We still try to live very meager. So we are respectful of that. I respect the fact that he works twice as hard. So I get to stay home with the kids and homeschool. So that was just easy. That was part was an easy transition from being a stay at home mom to homeschooling, then to homesteading. Well, I love that. And so I wanted to ask, and the reason I ask that now is what was, or has been the biggest struggle over these last 17 years? And is there one specific time where you thought that it either wasn't for you and you can just go back to the way everything else is done by everyone else, or you thought that you might lose it all, or was there anything that you're willing to share that kind of like popped up and you were like, I don't know if we're doing the right thing. Oh, I think every year I always say I'm taking homeschooling year by year. Like I won't ever say like 
we're doing this forever. My actually, my older three went to public school around junior high because I just got nervous. I'm like, I don't know if I can do this junior high. And I had the girls and they were babies. And they so I just kind of panicked and we threw them all into public school. Um, I'm grown a lot since I'm like, oh, I think I can handle that now. Like I can, I'm, I have sleep again. <laughs> it's a wonderful thing. But um, it was just something that I felt homeschooling was a calling. And I tell that to people so seriously, like don't do homeschooling or homesteading if you think that's just what you should be doing because you're going to be miserable and it won't give you joy. You have to do it if you feel called to do it because it's not easy. Either homesteading is not easy. Like it is not fun to go out there when it was minus 17 or whatever the Arctic and take care of the animals and constantly go out there every two hours to give them fresh, warm water. It's not fun. I mean, there's nothing like envious about that lifestyle. It's, it's a hard, sad, I lost a lamb. He got bloat and I couldn't, I couldn't fix him. He died on my watch. You know, it's not all pretty sunsets and canned tomatoes. I mean, like there's just something that you have, it has to be a calling. It has to be something that every day you are resound to just do it and you just keep moving and it, cause it brings you joy and it just, sometimes the pain's worth it. I appreciate you sharing that you had a loss, not that it's a good thing, but it shows that it happens to everyone because, you know, a lot of people look at the Instagram pictures and they're like, oh, this is so beautiful. It looks so fun. And I'm, I think back to like times that I had twin uh, goats die on me because one, they both were trying to come out and their heads were out at the same time. And I had to push one back and I had to pull one out. But by that time, you know, like their lungs had started to collapse. They couldn't stand and it was just miserable. And it, those are unexpected things that you just don't think are going to happen. And she was a proven nanny. That was great. And I thought, okay, she's got this. And I came out and I was like, where did you come from? <laughs> and it just happens. Yeah, it is. That's like, I don't know, say the dark side of homesteading, but it, if you own animals long enough, they're going to, you're, some of them are going to die. Like things are going to happen that's out of your control, out of your, even your range of expertise. And unfortunately that's how we learn. So I now know more things that that's how I had to learn. Unfortunately was through his death. Right. Right. I, and I think for me, our first year was the hardest. Um, or I, well, we just closed out the second year. I don't, they were both equally hard in different ways. <laughs> so there's always going to be hardships each year. So I guess I can't really speak. Maybe, maybe next year I'll, I'll make a statement on which one so far the I'll rate them in the top three, <laughs> but you come to realize this is still way more joyful. Like you said, it, than kind of sitting in a cubicle and answering phones or customer service. And you realize like, this is a calling. It's not for everyone as much as we would want it to be to have everyone be self-sustaining and to trade with each other and kind of get back away from the money and realizing what things are valued. And, and that's just not the case. <laughs> have you caught any flack <laughs> from anyone over? I would assume yes, but I'm not going to assume. And any flack over the last 17 years for the way that you are homeschooling, homesteading, being a stay-at-home mom, things like that. And how did you navigate each instance? Oh, yeah, I guess I've always been kind of the black sheep of, sheep of our family. I had home births. Um, I've always been kind of holistic. I've, I've had raw milk, kombucha. I mean, like I've always just done, I've always just just, I don't know. I, we caught ourselves one time, me, I had a friend, some homeschool friends. We caught ourselves from the land of misfits. 
I mean, I've always just been like the Charlie in the box. Like I'm, I don't fit into a mold. Um, I'm extremely conservative, but I have mostly friends who are agnostic. I mean, I'm, you know, I just, I like the fact that I just don't fit in kind of, um, that I just do my own thing. And so people have, like, they made fun of me. I've always been into aprons and, um, I call it my granny style. And now it's kind of cool now. I don't know when it happened, but I'm like, look at me. But my husband's like, it's not really cool. I'm like, I know. Um, but I found other people on Instagram, I guess, who are doing the same movement of slow living and intentional living. And it's been, it's been fun to see this and mainly they're younger moms. And I love that because I'm 45. So I'm in a, a weird season. I've been doing this for a while, but um, I just love that new excitement on moms learning how to make bread and sourdoughs. And I don't know if it was from the whole COVID or if it's just a renewal of a lost generation, but I really, I grew up with grandparents who could do everything and they're not around to teach me. So I, I don't really care what people say or made fun of me. Um, we do Charlotte Mason homeschooling. I mean, we do a lot of things that just aren't part of the normal, even in some of the realms of homeschoolers. Yeah, I would, I, I just want to say, I want to be you when I grow up. <laughs> so, <laughs> I resonate so much <laughs> with everything you say. I'm like, man, she's so cool. And I actually, I have an apron that I just leave hanging up because it's so beautiful. I'm like, I can't get this thing dirty. <laughs> but, oh no, you have to have pretty aprons too. Your work aprons yeah. and pretty aprons. <laughs> so I need more. But I, it is, it's really interesting because I have a friend who is a stay-at-home mom and has three kids and they're all under the age of five and she just started learning how to make bread and I, I'm watching it because I'm not big on making bread and, and whatnot. We don't eat a lot of it, but it's just really impressive to see how much joy there is and how much pride and and fulfillment with the simplest, what people would think would, is the simplest thing. And they're like, well, anyone can make bread, right? Uh, no, <laughs> there it's, there's different ways and it's, it's really impressive. So like, you're very active on Instagram and I am just non-existent on there. Um, I have an old page, but I haven't used it in years, but I just find that you've, you really create a community of like-minded people as you grow and develop and the more that you share. So with you being really social on Instagram and connecting with those women that are, you know, around my age and kind of coming into the lifestyle, because I definitely wasn't raised like this. Um, I just kind of, like you said, was the black sheep. What are you seeing as they share it? And what are you seeing is coming about in the community that you're kind of cultivating? Because we found now that we have a, a um, community connection and I love the holistic side of everything. I love that you did a home birth too. Like that's a life goal of mine. So I, it's just really impressive because it really does come full circle. So have you had any instance aside from me? where you connected with someone on Instagram or anywhere else. And it kind of came full circle of you were just watching, cheering them on. And there was some other connection. Um, a little bit. I hate to say like, like I post on Instagram, but I actually don't get behind the, the phone, like, or this camp or whatever you want to call it. I don't like to be seen on Instagram. I don't like to talk on Instagram. I will post pictures. Um, so that's probably been hard because I don't like to, sh I'm not overly sure. I'm actually more of an introvert and I don't, I love my little community of people, but I don't like to, I don't just don't like behind the camera. Um, so I do talk to some moms like private messaging. My biggest thing is cause I am, I am older. Um, 
it's just everything is a season. So I feel like a lot of people want to do all this stuff. And there was a season when I was crunchier than other times. And there was a time when, unfortunately, I had a lot of miscarriages and we ate Taco Bell. I mean, like I couldn't cook. I was just surviving. So I think a lot of times people feel like if they fall off the wagon or if they're not doing everything perfect and they don't get to be natural, they don't get, to, I think we're just really hard on ourselves. So I feel like that's one of my biggest things is to let people know, like my house is messy. I don't, I yell at my kids. I mean, like I rely on coffee to get through the day. I mean, we're none of us are perfect. I mean, we might look like good on Instagram or Facebook, but we all have our demons and we all have things that we struggle with. So I feel like that's what I really want to do is just help young moms and moms my age, because it is actually another season because I have like teenagers who don't really want to talk to me or hang out with me. Um, and then I have these other kids that are like clingy to me like 24 seven. So when I have a kid off in college, so I know how fast it goes. And I know you're supposed to save her every moment. But sometimes I just want a moment by myself. So I feel like that's where I really like to find out is like, help cultivate and like support women my age who are in this season of like, their kids are leaving and what, what do they do now? Like, and that's when they can start homesteading and gardening and natural fibers or handwork or, you know, help the new moms who are just, they're exhausted, you know, and their babies are up all night long and they still want to do all this stuff, but it's just really hard. I love that you mentioned every single piece of that because a lot of people don't know that I coach outside of this. I coach a lot of women through weight loss and they are closer to your age. And so it's interesting because I've had them speak on, well, you really submit to your husband. I I openly admit that. And I make his lunch and I send him off because I'm home all but one day out of the week. And it's funny because I have clingy kids. And so I, you're like, I just want some time to myself. And I was texting him today. I'm like, I literally cannot go to the bathroom without them banging on the door. Like he, he goes, I grounded them. And I was like, I know. And I'm like, they, it doesn't, they don't care. You're out of sight, out of mind. And it's, it, it, yeah, it doesn't matter. And so I, it, it is such a weird, like, I don't know how you're navigating it. It's very admirable. And I love that you had mentioned, you know, we had Taco Bell because we're not all perfect. Like sometimes I grab an energy drink. I, sometimes I need that extra little bump. Okay. If we want to call it that, but coffee all day, every day, some people will be like, you're killing your adrenals. And I'm like, it's fine. I'll support him with something else later in the day. I don't know what to tell you, <laughs> but you really find that it does come in seasons. And oh man, this is just, I'm just mind blown because I was not prepared for all of the emotions that, that really come with everything that you just said, you know, it, you feel guilt with your kids clinging to you and being mad and yelling at them and wanting space and then you're like oh and then they're about to leave and then it's it we're still normal like homesteading is not some like magical mystical thing where oh we're all just one big happy family and we all live together forever and nothing changes and we can get everything done because we never leave the house that's not the case at all <laughs> no it's not so do your kids, I, I know that you said a couple right now don't really hang out and some do help, but do you have like an outlined guide, uh, not like written out, but do you have some sort of like unspoken rule of what everyone's duties are around the farm? Because you kind of all contribute and have your things. <laughs> no, what? <laughs> no, not really. Um, 
I will say we were good at that at our old house. Like we had a chore chart and the kids had things they had to do. And then we built the new house. My husband and I, we both were worried. They didn't want them to break the the sink or I don't know. We kind of guarded the house a little bit. Now it's been two years and we've got dings in it, but um, they're now they're busy. They're in high school and well, two in high school, one's in college and they both work and they both do school activities. So it's just, once they start doing all those activities and they have homework I kind of feel bad. They do have a little bit like they're in charge of their own bathrooms or they have to clean their room. They do their own laundry. Um, they a lot of times will make their own lunches if they or they cook their own snacks and food if they're, I'm not around. But um, they don't really do the farm. That's not really where they, they were when they were little, um, that they were all into wanting to be farmers when they grew up. But then once they hit teenagers, they just that's not their thing. So they'll come help me in the garden, but I have to kind of make them or promise tea or something. That's so cute. Tea. Like of all, my girls think, you know, like that's an adult drink too. So they're like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> that's, that is really sweet though, that they are willing to still do that. Because, you know, I think a lot of us as parents, we realize, oh, these kids are going to be so defiant and we're raising very strong willed children, especially in this environment, because it's like, they witness a lot of animal issues and they're just like they mine physically throw their hands up at me sometimes and they're just like I'm not doing it I'm not helping and I'm just like okay well you're seven and you're three and I need your little hands right now so let's go <laughs> right yeah my six and eight-year-old are definitely more part of my homesteading daily like I just always have to remind them like animals need to be fed even in like zero degree weather let's gear up and they go out with me and, and once they get out there they have fun doing it but um there are some days when they'll be like can we just play while you go do the animals and I let them but for the most part I do try to make them that's our, our morning time together is out doing the animals and checking on everybody and the chickens are kind of their thing so they have a process they like to do with them anyway so um yeah that's kind of their little journey that they do that's awesome so if we were to have one piece, one single piece of advice as we close this out, what would it be that you want to tell people that are either thinking about homesteading, farming, or thinking about homeschooling? What is something that you wished that you would have been told and that you can go tell now? I would say start where you are. I mean, you can do container gardening. You can have rabbits. And if you want to do fiber arts, you can have Angora rabbits and and shape them. I mean, there's so many resources. I would say just start where you are, like whatever your passion is, if it's gardening, fiber arts, hand, whatever it is, start with that and then find local people. And people on in, like Instagram and Facebook are great too, but find local people who are doing what you're doing connect with them because I that's where I made like the homesteaders of Indiana like I've met other people who have goats and I'm always like hey is this is this right you know like or can you help me out here and that's where like you get help from or like when can I start can I grow this do you have this seed and we just start a community from uh, people around you and we're all at different spots is what, what I love like we're not all on an acre but most of them have lower acreage but then we also have a few that do it in subdivisions so I just say you know find a couple people who you connect with and you just resonate with who um and just ask for help because I that's what I love about homesteaders and homeschoolers once you get them talking sit down because like they'll talk forever and they love nothing more to help other people so I mean just like buckle up and get some tea because yes there. 
that is so true I oh my gosh one more funny story this sweet man named Dan who I thought wasn't even real for the longest time because I never saw him and he only stopped by when my husband would be out well Dan stopped by one time when I was out and I was like I think you're Dan he goes I am how how do you know and I'm like "Uh, well I, I talked to my husband so but you know he stopped by the other day and he's like yeah I'm heading out to church and and whatnot and then he was there for like 35 minutes. I'm like, Dan, don't you have to go to church? He goes, oh, yep, they're waiting on me. And I'm like, he still has to drive 20 minutes because I know where it's at. And I was just like, sir, but it's true. Like people that are in the homesteading community, farming and homeschooling, they are on their own time and time is irrelevant. It doesn't, it's not real. They just kind of show up and sit down and relax because you're gonna have a big conversation about things you didn't even know you didn't know (laughs) that's so true we love to chat about that stuff I love it well first of all I want to thank you for coming on and being brave because I know you said you don't really like to be out there I love getting people out of their comfort zone and I really really appreciate all of your tips your advice your expertise sharing it from because you're close to my parents' age. I'm so sorry to age you like that, but <laughs> they're. <laughs> I really am used to it at this point. I really am. <laughs> but it's like it, it's nice to connect with someone who who I connect with and understand and and empathize with. But we also have kids around the same age, and so it's really admirable that you have this this gap of six. And how old's your oldest? Nineteen. Okay. Yeah not yeah 13 years that's how much it is between me and my youngest sister but it's it's wild to think like you can you're going to learn so many different things from people of all ages and who have started either two years ago or 17 years ago they started in a suburb and in a little backyard or they just kind of were grandfathered in and took over the land so they all have something to share and I, I'm really appreciative that you've come on and shared your experience and your story because that's something that I think a lot of people are fearful of is one, putting themselves out there and two, saying, hey, I understand where you're at. It's a season and I support where you're at because that's really what this community should no, be yeah. and should always be about is you're going to get through this and here's how I got through it or I haven't experienced that. So, you know, we all can kind of give advice. I have, I've had goats. I get it. Goats are wild. You never know what you're going to get with them. (laughs) Yeah. No, thanks for having me on. No, I really do. Like I always tell people too, like, um, yeah, like I, I really don't judge because I'm a hot mess. I really just trying to get through my day and keep my people alive and animals alive. So like, come you like, you can tell me anything and there's no judgment because I probably have done it or done worse. <laughs> Honestly, so, yeah. that's we so all... true. People are just afraid of shame and it's all in their head. It's like, look, I actually said this on my last Zoom that I was on for work. I said, we have all been there in some capacity or someone that you're talking to has and they're just waiting for someone else to speak up first because everyone has the same sort of fears and not everyone's going to be very confrontational and say, yep. I failed, I lost a duck or I lost a sheep and just anything or a lamb, anything like that. It they just it's very hard to admit because there's a lot of guilt. And in this environment, you cannot carry guilt because 
I think at that point yeah. you end up like, I think that's where mistakes end up snowballing is if you feel guilty, you start to forget that there are other things that need done. Mm-hmm. Right. And I also think with age comes some wisdom because like, mm-hmm. I know now the older I get, the more I don't know anything. Like I really don't. Yeah. So, and I really just don't care anymore. Like something happened when I hit probably 40, I just didn't care what people thought or people's opinion anymore. So I don't know what's going to happen when I'm 60, but I'm like, whatever people, you know, like this is my time and I only have so many years to live. (laughs) You're going to walk up to me like that crazy old lady. I love it. (laughs) No filter, you know. (laughs) That's awesome. Thanks for having me. Yes, I can't wait to talk again. I will have a great night. I'm glad that that worked for both of us. It's I hear my flag like hitting the came back on. Yes. Yes. Well, I will talk to you later. Thank you again. All right. Take care. All right. Bye. Bye.